Goodness. All right. Hey, guys. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you for that. Goodness. All right. So, I'm Wynn. Apparently, some of you know me. But if you don't, I want you to feel welcome to know me, which you'll see as we go. But, so just some random personal information. Um, I'm from Gainesville, Georgia, 45 minutes northeast of Atlanta. Um, I have one brother who also is one of my best friends. He's pretty unique, and he's three years younger than me. His name's Asher, um, so we have really unique names. My parents are creative. Um, I love my parents. Their names are Kevin and Lori, and they live in Gainesville, Georgia. Um, I actually lived in Georgia my whole life up until two months ago, so that's a fun fact. Um, another fun fact, I won the spelling bee for my school in sixth grade. Um, so, and I feel, I feel like I have to share a middle school picture just because everybody else did. Honestly, going back through my Facebook today, there are so many more embarrassing pictures from after middle school, but I found a truly cringeworthy picture for this contest. So, this is, <laughs> God. That's when in eighth grade, and that was actually the week that my voice changed as well. And so, <laughs> here we are today. Deep voice, and my teeth have grown together a little bit. So, um, and also, I'll get to the other picture in a second, but I went to the University of North Georgia, um, just graduated there in May, actually, and I graduated with a middle school math and science education degree, and um, also stuff that I've done. I worked at a summer camp called Camp Glisten for two summers. Absolutely loved it. Um, I was really involved in a campus ministry where I accidentally started leading worship and ended up doing it for four years while I was there. And that's a funny story if you want to hear it later. Legitimately, accidentally started leading worship. And then um, I've been to Kenya each of the past two summers and also would love to talk about that. Actually, the people that are in charge of the trip that I went on are going to be here at the house next week and so you can talk to them. But anyway, um, so as far as talking about college, the more, I feel like, more embarrassing picture is this one. I grew out my hair pretty long and then thought I'd see how long it was. <laughs> So, feel like now you guys know me a lot better than most people. So, here we go. Um, and then another thing. So last week I gave the announcements, and I was a middle school teacher all of last year as my student teaching, and so I know how to like simplify things because middle schoolers need things simple. I'm very similar to a middle schooler, and so I simplified my favorite six things to do, and they are nature, which is, for example, skipping rocks, climbing trees, climbing rocks, not skipping trees. I have sports, number two. I love all sports. I love playing sports if anybody ever wants to play sports, especially spike ball. Love it. Stimulating conversations, basically being a nerd. I love talking about 
academic stuff. I love science and love talking about the Bible. So you want to talk to me about that? Love it. Jam sessions. I do play guitar and I love now, this time of year with the weather, to go by a campfire and just jam out to songs and sing really loud. Love that. Quoting things. If you've been around me, you've probably heard a SpongeBob quote, whether you knew it or not. And then six, food. If we hang out, it will be involved. So that's pretty much what you need to know about me. Um, so legitimately, it has been two months to the day since I moved to Chattanooga for the first time. I actually got this job while I was in Kenya this summer. And it's a crazy story, which also, if you want to know, I'll tell you. But we don't have time now. So let's pray, and then we'll get into what God has to say for us today. So God, we just praise you and thank you that you're so good to us, God, that today we've had food to eat and that we have this place to gather. And God, I just pray that you would speak to the hearts of everyone in here like you've spoken to mine in the preparation for this. And God, that you would just open us, that we would let down whatever walls there are that are keeping us from seeing your love in a real way. God, I pray that you would just open my heart and let it flow with what you've put on it and that you would change my words if I'm not supposed to say something and that this would just be all for your glory. So we praise you and thank you for what you're going to do. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, so like we said, this is a confession series. So my name is Wynn, and I confess that I have a fear of being known. So something about having other people all up in my business just makes me uncomfortable. People knowing all this stuff about me. It seems kind of funny because I'm actually surrounded by people a lot. And you guys that have been around the hub know that I like just going around and talking to people. It's, it's fun. I like people. Um, but, and I do work as an intern at the house, so my job is to be with students. And so, like I've said a few times, if you guys want to hang out with me, legit, my job, like, I would love to do that. And I have time all through the day to meet with you guys. And so if you have questions about the sermon or want to know, I was going to say answers to science questions. I don't know that high level science. But either way, if you just want to talk, I'm always here. Truly want to hang out with you, do whatever. Um, but there's something deep inside me that just makes me skittish when others start getting to know me. And this isn't something that's just popped up. It's really been around since I left high school. So as I was preparing for this, I was kind of reminded of something that happened in high school that I think plays into it. And it's that when I was a junior in high school, I had been dating a girl named Elizabeth. And we dated for almost two years. And this was my first real girlfriend. And so at this point, I didn't know anything other than, especially dating for two years, just to like let down all my walls and just let her know me to the fullest extent. Um, and then this crazy turn of events happened, and two years into the relationship, she broke up with me, and that sent my world into a tailspin, and it just wrecked me. And that was actually when I truly started a relationship with Jesus, so totally thankful for it. But since then, I feel like I've been extra careful when it comes to letting people know me really well. So, but let's stop for a second, because being known is a really kind of vague idea. So, when I say being known, what do you think about? Do you think about being well-known, like LeBron James or MJ, as in the house student, but also Michael Jordan, too, if you want. <laughs> um, but do you think about, like, being recognized on campus? 
Do you think about having a roommate that knows like when you wake up and go to sleep and knows all the annoying quirks that you have like not doing the dishes or leaving your stuff out? Well, I'm talking about something that's deeper than those being known, those ideas of being known. So as I talk about being known, I want you to do something. I want you to picture a house with me. Now, it's funny, this is the house, but I want you to picture a house. So, like, four walls, rooms, a house. So close your eyes with me for a second. We're just going to picture a house. So this is going to be essential for the rest of the sermon. So I think it's probably easy to think of your childhood house, but if you don't like that, then, you know, do whatever you want. But just picture a house. So being known is like letting someone come into your house and seeing all of it. All of the mess, all of the embarrassing baby pictures and middle school pictures that you have on the mantle, all of the struggles, all of the pain, all of the conflict, everything. All of the stuff that you leave out everywhere, like letting someone in is seeing all of that. Sometimes we have this idea that when we let other people into our house, we either need to clean it up and make it look new, which let's be honest, none of our houses look like that unless people are coming over, or you feel like you only need to let them into the living room and then shove all of your mess into the closets and under your bed. This is what it looks like when we meet people and just show them all of the neat and tidy areas of our life. For me, that means talking to people about sports or funny videos or movie quotes or just being the funny guy or even talking about things about the Bible but never actually letting people into the mess that is my day-to-day life. However, If people want to start hearing about the painful parts of my past or the mess or this struggle that I have from day to day, the stuff that I shove under my bed or the things I keep in the closet, I get scared and start to push them out. Have you ever felt like this? Like this need for people to just stay out? Like, I'm going to fix my stuff and you just kind of stay away and I'll get to know you when I'm good. Well, for me, this kind of looks like maybe looking busy when I know that there are people around that I can talk to and are going to go deep with me. I can just act like I have something to do while I'm walking through the hub, which I usually do have something I could do, but that doesn't mean I can't stop and have a conversation. It's just because I'm uncomfortable doing that. And it can also just be keeping conversations surface level so that you can avoid topics. So what gives us this desire, this feeling that we need to hide ourselves from people knowing the deep parts of our heart or our houses. Well, we can look to Adam and Eve to see this. So before they committed the first sin, they lived with God in the perfection of the garden. And they walked around fully exposed, just completely naked before God. And it was completely fine because they had nothing to hide. Like, that sounds crazy for us, and that's kind of cultural, but still, like, they just had nothing to hide and were just walking with God in perfect harmony But then sin came into the world, and all of a sudden, they felt this need to hide themselves from God. Because they sinned, they felt like they couldn't be with God. What they had was sin, and the desire to hide themselves from being fully known is what we call shame. So listen carefully to this. What the dictionary defines shame as is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Can you identify with that? That feeling of wanting to hide yourself, of feeling like, man, if you only knew what I did, like, 
if you knew what happened last night or last week, you wouldn't look at me the same way. There's something inside of all of us that we're ashamed of and think if others really knew, then they wouldn't love us. So, so that you realize that I'm no better just because they gave me a Britney Spears microphone this week, here are some things that make me feel this shame that I'm talking about. At times, I fail as a friend or a boyfriend or an employee or for anything else that I'm responsible for, and that causes that feeling of wanting to hide or compensate in some way. I judge other people all the time and try to make myself seem better than them inside my head, and I know that's not right. And I feel so much shame from the sexual sin in my past, and so many of us feel this shame about sexual sin or these internal things that we've committed, and it drives us to hide within ourselves and try to fix it, or we shove it deep in our closet of our house or under the bed or just try to erase it or put it where we will never see it again. Sin is the root of this, and the effect is shame, and we all have it. Whether you want to admit it right now or not, we all have it, and it keeps us from being truly known. So, let's let the Bible speak into our condition. What we're talking about, the Bible has something to say about, and that's awesome. So, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. So, as we start, we're going to look at verse 31. So it says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Pause. All right, we're going to do a little tangent. So, now, sometimes when we read the Bible, especially if you've never really been taught how to properly read the Bible, we get to something like this, and we're like, crap, did I miss something? Like, I feel like I just walked into the hub, and somebody was having a conversation, and I got there right at the end, and they were saying, and so this was what I was talking about, and you're just like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about. So that's kind of how it is when we're reading the Bible sometimes. Well, that's what's happening in this passage. So I want to give you a little context into what this is in Romans. So Paul is writing a letter to the church in Rome, which is literally in Italy, basically explaining the gospel from the ground up. Earlier he says, all are under the power of sin. And he says, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. All of us, he says, all of us are under the power of sin. How cool is that? Like, the fact that we are all on the same page in here. Nobody in here is on some different pedestal legitimately in the same way that we're all sitting on the same level in pews. Like, we're on the same level. We're all sinners. So, I think we can just take a deep breath from that. Like, seeing that our sin isn't this shameful thing that nobody else has. We're all there. We just don't share it. So, (sighs) deep breath. So, But, a lot of times in Romans, Paul says the word but, and it means pay attention. This is going to change. So Paul goes on to say that God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't just say that he loved us. He sent his perfect son, Jesus, to come down to this earth and show us love through his sacrifice. This is the gospel. Gospel meaning good news. This good news of Jesus for everyone who simply puts their faith or their confidence in who Jesus is and what he did for us, receive this. 
covering our sin, being fully loved. So what are the wonderful things that Paul's talking about? This, the gospel, the good news that Christ is for us. Jesus gave the price for us. So now let's go back to our passage. So let's read all the way through Romans 8, 31 to 39. So what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then is to condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Goodness. So, talk about some bold claims. Paul is saying some stuff that we should stop and be like, can he say that? Like, he's, it seems like he's almost mocking, like, other people's questions because of how obvious he feels like the love of God is. And so, let's go into that a little bit. So, let's see. So, what Paul does to get his point across to us is he asks questions. You may have noticed there are actually seven questions and five statements. So he's doing mostly this questioning technique, and that kind of gets us to think. So his first two are conditional questions, starting with, if God is for us, who can be against us? So he implies that we may feel like there are some serious powers working against us at times, but if God is who he says he is, as in omnipotent, which means all-powerful, if he's the creator, if he's on our side, what enemy could possibly match up? If he didn't spare his own son, won't he give us everything else? If he loves us enough to give us his prized possession in Jesus, why do we worry if he'll love us in our struggles today or give us what we need to live? I feel like Paul is just loving it while he's writing this passage as he's asking these questions because he knows the answer to them. Then he asks us some questions he already knows the answer to. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God has given, him, given us right standing with himself. Now this one is kind of hard for us to see at times because we like to think that we're in control of everything, that God couldn't do something like before we had a say in it. However, if the God of the world chose us before we were even born, we're essentially untouchable by the accusations of people or even the devil himself. Nothing can really touch us if God from the beginning said, I want him and protects you. He then gives a list of things that make us feel like they separate us from God. Translated into our context today, he covers all kinds of things. So think with me for a second if any of these ever make you feel like you can't be loved. He covers us from roommate trouble, family trouble, divorced parents, if you have loved ones in the hospital, tragedies of all kinds, 
being made fun of or ridiculed, feeling lonely, not having enough money for rent or gas or food, or not having any friends, not knowing what the future holds, maybe, being in danger of abuse or actual danger. And this isn't even an exhaustive list. Paul just gives this cover-all list of things that could possibly keep us from Christ's love. And that sounds pretty strong, guys. When we hear that, we're like, yeah, that stuff is hard. And honestly, I a lot of times don't feel like God can cover me from that or that he still loves me. Why would he let me go through that? So knowing these realities in our life, we actually aren't just barely victorious over him through Christ, but it says we have overwhelming victory through Christ who loved us. And for the closer, Paul comes in and says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. He then names just about everything else that you can imagine. He names everything in the sky and all creation under, like whatever in the spiritual realms, angels and demons. Nothing, he says, can separate you from his love. And then I kind of imagine him dropping some sort of Roman microphone and walking away. Because he legitimately covered everything. His argument, airtight. Nothing you can do. So, this is the truth. This that we just went through is truth from Scripture. God's love for us is greater than anything and will never change. We can't be separated from the love of God, period. That's awesome. However, the sin and shame that we feel is also very real. We can't just put that to the side. And when we do feel this shame and need to hide ourselves from others, what do we usually do? Do we run right to God and be like, God, I know you love me so much, and I just come running into your arms, and everything is going to be great? I would say a majority of us don't do that. I personally do not instinctually run to God when everything is not feeling like it's going the way that I want it to. A good picture of what we do as people in this way is social media. So I put a picture of my Instagram page on here um, just kind of as a visual. It looks decently nice, I guess. Those are some other people's pictures, which makes me look cooler than I am. But it has some beautiful pictures of nature. It has a few pictures of my beautiful girlfriend. It has pictures of my friends from the house and of elsewhere. But do I have any pictures up there of the struggles that I have on a normal day? Do I have pictures of misunderstandings that happen with my friends or my girlfriends? Do I have failures at my job up there? Of course not. Nobody would post that on Instagram. But this is because social media is kind of a place for us to put our highlight reel, per se. It's who you want to be. It's like... Let's go back to the idea of being at our house for a second. So if you want to close your eyes, you can. Social media is like letting someone into your house and then taking them through your living room where you have all the pictures hanging up on the walls and placed on the mantle where you're having a blast and the people you're with are the ones that you love. You have all your makeup on and you're all dressed up and you're exactly the way that you want people to see you. It's like showing them your pristinely clean kitchen with no dish out of place, nothing that's been in there for two weeks and smells weird, like a completely clean and tidy kitchen. It's like showing them your trophy case with all the times you triumphed and did what you had hoped to do. 
but you don't take them to your desk where the pictures of your parents are who are fighting and might get a divorce. You don't take them to your closet where the shameful habits you have are kept. And you don't take them to your bedroom where you keep all of your two-week-old pizza crust that you haven't thrown away and the homework you forgot about under your mounds of dirty clothes. This is all a part of who you are too. You aren't just who you are on your good days. You're a culmination of the good days and the bad. All of the time, you are who you are. What would it look like if people truly knew you like that? So what if I told you that God was the builder of your house? What if I told you that he knew every little part of your house, every little secret habit that you try to hide, every hurt from your past you try to pretend isn't there, every success, but also every failure. God the Father, fully knowing the contents of your house, gave up what he loved more than anything in all of creation, namely his son Jesus, so that we could see that he loves us. Verse 32 beautifully puts it, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? same God that created us and fully knows us to the deepest level thought we were worth the price of his only son to see that he loves us in our shame, in our mess, not our cleaned up self, that he loves us the way we are. Do you think you're too much for him to love? Verse 33 says, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God has given, himself, given us right standing with himself. If God's chosen you, who are you to say that you're not good enough for him? The all-powerful God of the universe says, even you, I love you and I know you. Do you think your circumstances are too bad for the love of God or for there to be a loving God? Verses 35 through 37, can anything separate us from Christ's love? Feels like it can. Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, persecution, hunger, destitute, danger, threatened with death. No, despite all these things, meaning in these things, we have overwhelming victory through Christ who loved us. Regardless of your circumstances, you are completely known to the depths of who you are, every part of your house. That means that in Christ, I am known fully. It means in Christ, you are known fully. Known and stood up for you're known beneath your shame. You are known and loved completely. So if God is for you, who can be against you? Now, you may be thinking, all right, when this sounds all fine and dandy, but how am I actually supposed to be known by others? How do I let people into my house? If you are thinking that, you're in luck, because I'm about to answer it. So, simply inviting people into your house. That's the answer. Let people into your house. Jesus' ministry was characterized by reclining at the table and eating with people. So we always think of all his big miracles and his flipping tables and his, the cross and rising again. But most of Jesus' ministry was walking around through towns, talking to people, eating and sleeping, normal things. He was doing similar to the things that we do, all of these daily things. And if there was an authority for how to know and love people, I think we can agree that the Son of God, probably the one to look to. So 
He made a habit of having deeply personal relationships and homes, and he invites us to do the same thing. Invite people into your house. Stop pushing all your stuff under your bed, slamming stuff into the closet, putting up only the pretty pictures of yourself, and just let people in. Be known. For you, this may mean letting go of trying to show people an image of you on social media that's not true. A lot of times we feel pressured to put this person that we want to be up there. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying put all your dirty laundry on Instagram. Please don't. Use prudence like Jason was talking about. But truly, God may be calling you to stop trying to dress up for people and trying to put on this, this mask that keeps people from seeing that you're hurting, that you may be having a problem. Like, for me personally, actually I wasn't going to share this, but I think this really helped, but I've actually started going to a counselor fairly regularly now, and that's because I just had all of these things that I didn't understand, and I've been with people all the time, but still just wasn't really enjoying it. And I came to find out when I asked for help, they said, okay, it seems like you have a mild level of depression. Like, there are some things that we need to work through with you. And so, guys, know that just because things may look good on the outside for you or other people doesn't mean that we're not hurting, that we don't have this shame, feel like we need to cover up who we are. So for me, it meant asking for help in that way. It may mean letting people in that are your friends, that maybe have been around you and you've hung out with for a long time, but don't actually know you. It could mean that. When you actually let people in and allow yourself to be known, then you don't have to wonder if they will love you, if they knew everything inside of you. You'll know. All right, so for those of you that may not know Jesus or know what I mean when I talk about all this house stuff, I'm so glad that you're here. I would not rather you be anywhere else. You're not like outside of the loop with this. I want you to know that the God we're talking about is real and created you and is offering this unconditional love to you. If you want to hear more about it or talk about it or have questions, please come to me. I want to talk to you about it. We can meet over some food later this week or something. But I would truly love to talk about it with you. And I'm so glad that you're here. And I pray that you'd keep coming. And then to the Christians in the room, invite others into your home. God loves you fully. And knowing the deepest parts of you frees you to bring, the other, to bring others into your home and truly be known. Since he loves you fully, you are free to let other people in because you know he's seen the worst of it and still loves you. So it is uncomfortable. It's not the most comfortable thing for people to see all of your stuff. They may even be afraid of it or reject you because of it, but at the end of the day, there is nothing in all creation that will be able to separate you from the love of God given through Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's pray band you can come up God we just praise you for the love that you have for us God this is completely unmerited love we did nothing to earn it and yet you give it and God you know us so deeply you know every little part of us everything that we try to hide all of our shame 
and you look at us and say, I want that one. I want you. So God, I pray that we would just let down our walls tonight, that we would ask you to show us that love in our hearts. God, we just praise you that your gospel is good news, and I pray that it would push us to invite other people in and realize that we are all hurting and we are all searching for the good news that you have to offer for us. So God, I just pray that as we go from this place, as we go into this next set of worship, whatever it is, God, that you would begin to open us up and that we would begin to live in true community, being known by others and learning to know your son Jesus as we go. And so that's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.